Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you've spent any time at all driving or walking around New Orleans over the last year or so, you've noticed an increasing number of green and black decals on restaurant doors and yard signs outside of food establishments. The signs and decals are a green background with a black bow tie and the word waiter with the E missing spelled W-A-I-T-R. Waiter is a food delivery system based on an app on your mobile device. You open the app, choose food that you'd like delivered to your home or work, and it shows up. It sounds like a simple enough idea. Chris Moe started the company in Lake Charles, Louisiana. He launched the Waiter app in 2015, and today Chris is the chairman and CEO of Waiter, which is listed on the New York Stock Exchange and has a capital valuation of hundreds of millions of dollars and is talked about in some circles as following in the footprints of Walmart. It's an amazing story, and it's made all the more exciting by the fact that the company is still at the very beginning of its life with a lot more potential growth ahead. Chris Moe, Nice to see you in New Orleans, and welcome out to lunch. Happy to be here. As I mentioned, you see waiter signs and logos all over New Orleans. There's another very successful local food-based organization whose name you don't see, and that is Ballad Brands. But you are no doubt familiar with Ballad Brands' retail locations. They include 100 PJ's coffee shops, over 60 locations of Wow Cafe, the original City Diner, Boardhouse Serious Sandwiches, and over 250 retail outlets and 750 locations where you can buy products from New Orleans Roast, a wholesale coffee and tea company. You can add to that a recently acquired 13 restaurant chain called the Garces Group that moves ballad brands into fine dining. And believe it or not, there's more. We'll get to that, but first let me introduce you to David Mesa. David is Executive Vice President and Chief Development Officer at Ballad Brands. David, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thank you, glad to be here. Chris, in a very short time, you've taken Waiter from humble beginnings to a $308 million sale and onto the New York Stock Exchange. I believe that one of the elements to growing Waiter as a technology company was the state of Louisiana's angel investor tax credit. As I understand it, the tax credit gives you 35% back on every penny you spend on software development within Louisiana. If the state of Louisiana could point to the success of Waiter as an example of the state's economic development policies, it would go a long way toward establishing the credibility of Louisiana as a place to start a tech business. So how instrumental was the support of the state of Louisiana in building Waiter? Well, Peter, it was, it was really important in our early days. Uh, not only have we taken advantage of the digital media tax credit, but when we went out to raise capital in our very first funding round, one of the catalysts to being able to raise that capital was the angel investor tax credit. And so we started out with the angel investor tax credit. Uh, we raised $200,000, and at the time it was a 35% tax credit. 
so, you know, with those investors who were investing the $200,000, uh, they would get 35% back. So their net investment was actually less. So from the very beginning, we've, we've utilized the programs that LED has had. It's allowed us to grow uh, from the angel investor tax credit. The second program we used was the economic gardening, which allowed us to identify markets around the country that we could expand into. That was extremely important because at the time, we didn't have capital to be able to invest in that kind of a study to decide where we could expand. So it went on from there to, to, to the uh, digital media tax credit, which we still use today, in fact. So. Uh, in, at each stage of our growth, LED has been there for us, and it's been an important part of our growth. And, you know, you're, you're in uh, Lake Charles, you're here in Louisiana. I would imagine there's been a lot of pressure to, to bring you to the Austins and the San Francisco's of the world. You've, you've apparently fought it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, our strategy from the very beginning has been smaller to mid-tier markets, so uh, we we built a playbook around that. Uh, if you think back to the 60s and 70s, there was a little retailer in Northwest Arkansas had a very similar playbook. Well, we took some pages of that playbook, <laughs> uh, started expanding into uh, small medium markets around the country. We now operate in over 700 cities in 30 states, uh, all small to medium sized markets. We, we uh, eventually we hope that our brand equity is such that we get pulled into major markets. But right now, we're really focused on executing the strategy that we had from the beginning. And that in, is in these smaller to mid-tier markets that are underserved markets, or what a lot of folks on the coast like to call flyover America. Uh, that's our bread and butter, and it's been very successful for us. And it's helped a lot of restaurants in those smaller markets actually raise their profile and, and get more customers. Now, David, you're the chief development officer at Ballard Brands, so you're the guy who's overseeing the impressive expansion of the company across the country and around the world. Here in New Orleans, PJ's Coffee holds a special place in the local landscape because it's from here, but once you get out of here, PJ's is not wildly different from other coffee shops like Starbucks. Starbucks has massive international penetration with over 27,000 locations in 76 countries. So I'm wondering how you're managing to open seven PJ's coffee shops in Vietnam, two in Kuwait, and possibly move PJ's into Saudi Arabia. How do you compete in international markets against local coffee shops and against those other international chains like Starbucks? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, I think it's more about the preparation of, uh, and preparing for that launch. Um, one of the first things that, that we did when we ultimately made the decision to start expanding nationally and internationally was, uh, was to go through what we called an internal brand truth, was, was to identify all those key areas. What, what were we doing good? What were we doing bad? What we needed to improve upon? What did we really want to be known for? Uh, and, so, and, and that actually caused a lot of reflection to realize even some of the things that, were, that we were committed to in the past and maybe we lost our way along the way. And, and we wanted to reinvigorate those, those, those key elements within our concept and our brand. And then all the other basic stuff like supply chain and making sure that all, all those pieces, parts are, 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 are in place. Um, and once you have that, that actually begin. once you start going through that process, it, it begins to shed light on how and where you should expand. I think you know to the to the same to the same point here. You know, you you create that strategy, and ultimately you need to stick to it. And the net result of that strategy was, yes, we want to expand internationally, but we wanted to focus in Southeast Asia as well as in the uh, Middle East. 
and those are both key markets for coffee, um, you know, especially in the Middle East where uh, in, in many countries alcohol is illegal, so coffee and cafes are, are essentially the, the, the place where people go to socialize and, and, and you know, and, and have meetings, even more so than here in the state. So there was a lot of, lot of things that we looked at that, um, that incorporated into those decisions. And uh, so, so far we're excited. We've been at it for about a year and a half and, and we're starting to plug away and really make some inroads. And this is an amazing show for me because uh, these two companies are growing faster than I've really ever seen Louisiana companies grow. And I have, I have to ask you, Chris, you're both growing both organically and through acquisition. You made a huge acquisition of a, a company, a similar kind of company in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, how'd you make a decision like that? That was, you know, a lot of capital. Yeah, well, a lot of capital, a lot of time, a uh, huge effort because it doubled the size of our company overnight. But, uh, you know, we've been watching the market for years. Uh, we were one of the first to start in 2013. And after that, there was a flood of uh, companies that were much more uh, much better capitalized than us that came about. Uh, but Bite Squad, which was a company that we acquired, was very similar to us in that they had the same strategy. So it was small to medium markets. Uh, they had the same uh, structure of hiring their drivers, which is employee drivers. So we use all W-2 employee drivers, not uh, 1099 contract. We have a small contingent of contract like, drivers, but you train the most part, them, which is yeah, different yeah, than which which gives you the ability to train them and then uh, put uniforms on them and have them show up at the restaurant. It's a better experience, different experience. Well, they were they were the same. Uh, they were in a different geography than we were, and, and we wanted to grow. We had just gone public, uh, had a lot of capital on our balance sheet to put to work, and so uh, we made the decision to go ahead and, and uh, buy those guys, and it was a great decision for us. It, it doubled uh, the geography for us. Uh, it doubled the size of our footprint uh, across the U.S., but gave us a foothold in, in the, uh, in the, in the uh, upper Midwest and uh, a little bit on the West Coast, and so now we're a national versus a regional company, which was a big deal, especially as a public company. Uh, and the integration uh, since the acquisition in January, January has been going great. So uh, it was a big, big bite to chew, but uh, it's going well. But I do have to ask you: going into become a, a public company is a is a very different world. Have, how have you adapted? It's just different, right? You're you're answering to a new set of investors. Uh, you, you have a, a high, much higher standard to meet much more quickly. Uh, you have to be really disciplined in, in your operations, and it has to be really predictable because you've got to put numbers out there that you say you can do. Uh, you know, for example, we, we told Wall Street we're going to do $250 million in revenue. Now we have to, you know, at least ex you know, meet it, and if not completely exceed it. And so, you know, once it's out there, you have to perform. And so it, it's a different level of accountability but uh i think it's great for louisiana it's it's great for our company uh it has given us and opened up doors that maybe um in the past were only open to silicon valley type startups and so it's been a, i think a win for all involved david one situation i wanted to talk about is the wow cafes which you're you did very well at for a long period of time and now you're sort of rethinking well not only the name but the menu what is when does it come to that? Is that another one of those meetings where we look at the good and the bad? And uh, it's, uh, it's got to be rough. It, it, it is. Um, you know, and I think that the, you know, specifically with that brand, um, it was a brand that was uh, created in, um, by our founders, by the Ballard Brothers. And 
Um, one of the challenges that I think happened with that is um, it, kind of a blessing and a curse is that we partnered with some of the major food service management organizations, um, which allowed us to expand that brand rapidly. And what I mean by that is, you know, the Sodexos and the Airmarks of the world, right, and who have major contracts with airports and, um, and other, and, and other uh, universities and hospitals. Um, uh, the, the good news is, is that we, we grew with them very, very rapidly, um, and most of that due to our flexibility, meaning do you, do you, want a, do, do you need a quick service restaurant and a food court? Great, we can, we can modify it to that. Do you need a 5,000 square foot sports bar on the other end of campus? Yes, we can do that, and essentially everything in between, and which was great for, for now, but when you start thinking about longevity, the brand kind of got watered down, kind of lost its way as to what it was really about. We've changed the tagline more uh, more to not just being entirely chicken-centric, even though we are still a ch chicken-centric brand with that concept. We're still incorporating wraps, salads, burgers, things like that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with David Mesa from Ballad Brands, the owner of PJ's Coffee, Wow Cafe, and more, and Chris Moe, founder of the food delivery app, Waiter. As so many guests tell us their biggest problem is labor. The labor needs for you just keep growing. I mean, how do you get a handle on that? I mean, we've got sub 4% unemployment in the country. Is it getting tougher and tougher to find the right people? You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're all, we're all fishing in the same pool. There, there's no doubt for that. But at the end of the day, I really don't know if it's as much about labor as it is about the investment in training. It's not a it's not a money issue. It's not a labor issue. It really is a training issue. Yeah, I mean that that's the same thing for us, right? I mean, as rapidly as we're growing, it's it's not so much finding people. It's training and, and retaining, you know. And and I think the restaurant industry as a whole, it's it's very similar. I mean, we're in the restaurant industry too, but uh, and it's fighting against the just un low unemployment that typically you would think would stop you from getting people. But once you get them and train them keeping them is the bigger challenge right and that's the challenge for us as well because you make that investment in training people you want to make sure you keep them i guess you guys run into the same thing and does training help in retention it really does you know it it, 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 it does and um you know I'll, I'll share a little story in that you know one of the one of the years ago one of the ideas that we had was um being a being a franchisee myself and not always being able to be in the business. I, I created a little system that I thought was, the, the thought was kind of a little catchy. I, would, I created six little gift bags and I put them in the back and I told the staff that, hey, if, if you ever felt for any reason you, that you, the customer was wronged in any way, without, without permission, you have my permission to go back there first, do whatever you can to resolve the issue. Secondly, grab one of the bags and give it to them as, a, as, a, you know, as an apology and so forth. Um, I did it as a system to try to um, not be as abrasive when I would come back in the next day and go, well, what happened yesterday? If I saw a bag was missing, I'd go, hey, guys, what, uh, hey, what happened? And they go, oh, yeah, well, we double-charged Miss Mary and whatever. And so uh, she went all the way home, had to come all the way back. To, to, and so we went ahead and, you know, gave, oh, great, good, good, good deal. And it, was a lot, it allowed me the opportunity to keep, it, keep in touch with what was going on. Um, but what I realized that it, it long term is that it gave them such empowerment 
to feel like they were able to not only resolve the issue rather than just, hey, I'll call my manager and let them get back with you, that uh, it, made them, um, it made the morale increase, st started looking back at the records, retention was there, um, and it just, it just it started to impact all of those little things. One little, one little, and I'm sure that was not the only reason, but, but one little thing like that, I think, really changed the mindset of the staff to give them a little bit more ownership in the business. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with David Mesa from Ballad Brands, the owner of PJ's Coffee, Wow Cafe, and more, and Chris Moe, founder of the food delivery app Waiter. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with David Mesa from Ballad Brands, the owner of PJ's Coffee, Wow Cafe, and more, and Chris Moe, founder of the food delivery app Waiter. Chris, with yourself, I mean, we know that they're walking into David's stores and those are the customers, but you, in a way, have a lot of different customers. I guess first you have got to pitch the restaurant, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, we look at it as really three customers, if you will. It's a, it's a three-legged stool. It's the restaurants, which have, we have to be a good partner to them, and we want the best restaurant partners, and Ballard Brands is a great partner of ours. Uh, we have the, the consumer, uh, and then we have the driver. And, and it's really important on the driver's side because the driver is representing not only waiter, but they're representing uh, PJ's Coffee or Wild Cafe. It's, it's, it's a, it, a three-legged stool that if it's not working together as a concentric circle, doesn't work, right? Uh, so that adds an extra element of challenge for us. But I, I love that idea, David. I'm going to have to steal that idea. That's actually a great one, uh, especially for retaining drivers and others. You know, because, look, our, our drivers and our customer service reps are the front line. Uh, they're kind of the face of our brand, and they're the face of, of our restaurant partners as well. And so if they show up at the door with a smile, it's great. But if, you know, they're missing something and they get chewed out at the door, you know, they just want to tuck and run. Uh, that's a or great if they got to... chewed out on the previous order, now they're in the next order. And they're yeah. still feeling it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is a constant yes. challenge. Yeah. And, I mean, similar challenges in the restaurant industry. I think we all face a very similar um, obstacle to growth, if you will, and that sometimes can be an obstacle. Well, whatever it is, you're doing good at adapting to all these, uh, <laughs> these problems as they come along. <laughs> it's either adapt or die. <laughs> exactly. Let's that's go the with way it, it works There's in business, a... right? <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking to Chris Moe, Chairman and CEO of Waiter, and David Mesa, Chief Development Officer at Ballad Brands, who, among other businesses, owns PJ's Coffee. Chris and David, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're about to quit work for the day and go to dinner when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he thinks you might have changed your Netflix password because he can't sign on to your account. But this time, it's different. This time, he's calling you about a business. Now, Chris, your brother-in-law says he has a great idea for an app. It's the waiter of vaping. He's called it Vapor, V-A-P-R. You've probably got the idea already. It smokes delivered, and it, in places where pot is legal, well, he says the growth potential is enormous. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Are you interested in setting him up at Vapor? 
Yeah, you see, I'd probably tell him uh, he needs to change the name to Weeder, you see. Oh, and and once you use Weeder, then you have to order Waiter, you see. So, oh! Uh, that way we get we get both covered. That, You're one step <laughs> ahead of your brother-in-law. <laughs> this is great. Uh, my brother-in-law actually just made that call not long ago. Different different app, but uh, <laughs> no it's way. funny. You know, when you, when you have success in business, it, uh, a lot of people want to know, what would you do to get there? And uh, I take a lot of calls like that. You do. Are you, if they provided they're not competitive or you you try to help some folks oh out? absolutely you know i i'm i'm bullish on entrepreneurship right and and i think louisiana entrepreneurship and especially and so uh you know i hope we're the example that people look at as a way that you can do it and you can do it here in louisiana and so my idea would be to take the take take the um cbd oil and infuse it with coffee but it can only be delivered via waiter. There you go. Oh, <laughs> waiter for that matter. Right? Oh, this is great. <laughs> so yes. this table represents so, world domination. Yeah, I really love exactly. this. Exactly. So hey, great ideas come it. to fruition like exactly. this. You know, just in a brainstorming session. Amuse bouche. And I would just thank my brother-in-law for the idea, and then Chris and I go start a new <laughs> Now, David, your brother-in-law says he went to the PJs on Carrollton and the PJs on Magazine Street up by Whole Foods and he paid two different prices for the same cup of coffee, and the coffee tasted different. Your brother-in-law suggests you bring him into the company as a secret shopper. He'll spend all day going around every one of your outlets, making sure prices and quality are standardized. Firstly, is your brother-in-law right about the perception of the difference in price and taste at different PJs? And secondly, is he onto something with the uh, secret shopper idea? I'll share with you that um, I would say most of the individuals in our corporate office have family and friends that we do uh, that we have a secret shopper program with that allows them the opportunity to drink free PJ's coffee and the consumer has uh, the coffee consumer has become even more sophisticated than it has in the past and I'm not to the detail that I believe that they understand they could drink a cup of coffee and go well yeah this is single origin Jamaican blue or whatever but I think they at least know what tastes good and what doesn't taste good and, and there's something wrong with this. And so I could see where there, there's a need. And, and that's obviously in addition to the internal network that we have for doing um, secret shopping, we also have a third-party company that we engage where we, are, you know, we go into every store four times a year with a, with a third-party company as well. But that information is invaluable, and anybody who thinks otherwise is 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 not really on the on the right page. Chris, um, can you explain? I, I didn't mean I had meant to ask this earlier, but how, what is the relationship between you and the restaurant? Does the restaurant pay you a like a monthly fee for for this, and then you get a separate amount from the the actual customer? What does the model look like? Yeah, no, our, our model is a little bit different than most in our space. Uh, the restaurant does pay a one-time upfront. Uh, fee to onboard onto the platform but what they get for that is we send out our uh, professional staff of photographers we shoot the entire menu so there's actual photos of the sh of the uh, food for the user so it changes the user experience uh, they get the equipment that we install in there they get the support of the city team that we have in the market uh, for that one-time fee and then they don't pay anything after that unless we send them an order and so each time that we send them an order we take a little piece of that uh, and so it's a partnership. It's a shared relationship between the restaurant and us. Uh, it differentiates us uh, compared to most of our competitors, which you know, we, we like to say we are supply side focused. So our focus is on the partnership with the restaurant. Uh, many of our competitors are more demand focused. So they're focused on just driving consumer interests. 
Uh, we want to make sure that the consumer, the restaurant, and the driver are all working together uh, to create the best experience for each of them, not just for the consumer. I mean, it has to be a good experience for the restaurant partners as well. Uh, you know, we don't want our drivers going into their restaurants in pajamas and, you know, <laughs> hair, you know, uh, everywhere and smelling bad and those kinds of things, right? We, we want them to, you know, have their waiter t-shirt on. We want them to have, you know, khaki or black shorts and, uh, or blue jeans. And, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be stopping at the customer's location. We want them to present the best that they can. And that, that's a challenge, right? I mean, we, you know, hiring so many drivers and having so many uh, different restaurant partners and making sure that those drivers get trained correctly and going into the businesses. But it, it has to be a partnership between us and the restaurant to work in our model. And we, so many people just think of the drivers, but in actuality, you're a tech company. Yeah, I mean, it's the software that makes it all happen, right? I mean, uh, of course, there's a lot of people management, but the software is what uh, really creates the connection. You know, it's how they, it's how you onboard the restaurants. It's how you provide uh, a menu to the consumers. It's how the consumers place the order. It's how the restaurants receive the order. It's how the kitchen gets the order. It's how the the uh, drivers receive the order, and it's how the consumers keep track of the, where the order is. I mean, it, it, it controls the entire process. So we are a technology company first uh, and a people company second. And uh, But I think that's an important aspect um, to, to recognize because I think many technology companies don't, don't realize that it's not just about the technology. Right. And, it, and at the end of the day, the technology doesn't, can, can, can improve the overall consumer experience, but it does, there's still that human factor almost in every instance That's right. that, you, that, you have to, that you have to manage to create that. Because again, while the technology is, is phenomenal, phenomenal for us as a restaurateur, it really, it, it really is about the impression that that driver is giving the end consumer that has our product in their hand at that time. Yeah, and so, it's your brand, you know, and we want to make sure we're representing your brand well. So, uh, it, it's a, it, it, you know, it's a differentiator for us. It, it's where we started. It's what's driven our business, uh, and we're going to continue to keep improving it. And hopefully, that'll help improve delivery times. It'll help improve relationships with the restaurants. It'll help improve. Uh, you know, driver retention and all of the different things, but technology drives it all. Ever since the entrepreneur boom started around here about a decade ago, people have been saying if it's such a great place for startups, how come we don't have a breakout company like Facebook or Google? Although that might seem an unreasonable measure of success, we can now say that we do. We have a major breakout company. It's called Waiter. Chris, we look forward to following your progress, and although we've had nothing to do with your phenomenal success, we're all very proud of you and excited for you. David, everybody at a certain age in New Orleans has a special affection for PJs, although our local PJs are now only one part of a growing empire of Ballard brands, the various New Orleans locations all seem to have maintained their local flavor. So we thank you for that and wish you continued success in everything you're doing. Thank you. 
Chris and David, you both have big businesses to run, so I really appreciate you taking the time out to be here. Thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Chris Moe, founder and CEO and chairman of Waiter, and David Mesa, executive vice president and chief development officer at Ballard Brands. You can find out more about Waiter and Ballard Brands by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. And you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and the It's New Orleans Facebook page and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurPhoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.